Hello, and welcome to the Writers and Illustrators of the Future podcast. This is John Goodwin, your host. We've got a very special show today. We're here at the Writers and Illustrators of the Future big reveal, and it's an art reveal where the writers and illustrators meet each other for the very first time, and we have all the art that's published in the volumes that's laid out on easels, and the artists are standing by the sides, and then we let the writers come in, and they will then walk up and they'll find their art. They'll pick it out without any other um, hints or any other direction. They find it, and then as soon as they pick their art, then the illustrator comes up and introduces himself. So what we're we'll going to be doing here is once we've opened the door and let people come in, uh, we'll then go and talk to the various teams as they meet up. And unfortunately, not everybody's here because we have the uh, people from outside the United States not able to come due to uh, COVID. But everyone else who's a team will be able to uh, talk to them and they'll talk to the individual writers and or illustrators about the art or about the story. So here we go. So we've opened the doors now and all the writers are walking in. The illustrators are standing along the sides of the walls and the writers are walking in to find the various art pieces. They're just pacing around right now to see where is my art. Uh, we found, all right, they're finding it right away. This is great. They're finding their art immediately, which is what happens because these are amazing artists and uh, the stories are obviously top quality so that they're able to, uh, to find who did their, their artwork. All right, so just go ahead and tell me your name and then what was the story you wrote and what was your reaction to seeing your art? Um, my name is Emma Washburn, but I go by M and I wrote Hemingway. And the art's really cute, I really like it. I really like um, the outfit that the little girl's wearing. I'm glad that they, I think they captured the age right, which is really nice. And I really like the little details. I like like the boat and the water and the book. I think it's really cute. It's an awesome story, and I think the, the artist definitely captured it well. Mm -hmm, I agree. Okay, good. So here we got Death of the Time Travel. So please tell me your name and, uh, and what you think of the, of the art that you just got. Uh, I'm Sarah Fox, and um, I think it's absolutely stunning. I, I particularly like the shading along the trees and along with like the, the indications of what I would per perceive as time traveler or time travel with the light around the head and the threads going across the wrist and the chest. And um, you can tell that it's supposed to be a father or at least it indicates it from the story with the uh, ring on the ring finger and just the, the whole color um, and shading combination is just absolutely gorgeous. Great, glad you like it. And here we have uh, Jennifer Bruce. Hi. Good to meet you too. Yeah, so um, I really enjoyed the story. I found a lot of really um, subtle meaning in it. And I just tried to pull little bits out where I could and, and really get in depth with the, the meaning and the heart of the story. That's great. And it's really, it's really fun too when, because sometimes the writers will will write something but they're not sure how it's going to be perceived by an artist. You know, and so when you, and then the artists are likewise, what are they going to think about my art? <laughs> are they going to go like, cool, or are they <laughs> or is it going to be really nice? So um, it's great when, the, when an artist, plus you got good art direction with Echo, you know. So um, it's really nice, when, and I've never not had it happen where it doesn't connect up, but it's, it's always the same beginning. Are they going to like it? Are they going to get what I meant to say out of the story? So this, this is really good. Anything else that's, that um, you guys just met yourself for the first time just now, right? Yeah, yeah. 
So we've just made uh, experience now the beginning of a best buddies. That would be very nice. Good working relationship. Um, I just wanted to say because you weren't here when I was when he was asking me questions about the artwork, and uh, I can't remember exactly what I said, but I was remarking about how you did the, the the shading and the coloring and like the combination of the trees as well as the the lining here indicating what I perceived as time travel and the small nods to it with the the lighting around the head and even the ring on the finger and just all those different elements that I thought were really beautiful. So thank you very much. I'm so glad. I wanted to make it good for you. It's amazing. Thank you. So glad. That's great. So, Leonie, you just uh, published a story called Yellow and Pink. And you just met? I just met Max, and she is a fabulous artist. <laughs> Hello, I'm Max. So, what was it? Um, First of all, what was your first reaction? How long did it take you to find your, your piece of art? I think I knew right away when it came up on the on the Zoom because I, it had all of the tries in there, like in the story, and it also had like the big scene with the wife getting hit by the car. And so as soon as I saw it, I was like, oh, that's it. <laughs> that's great. And what was it for you that um, made it easy or difficult or anything else about her story? Oh, it was so emotional and like all these emotions, I wanted to capture them, but I didn't know how because they were so strong, you know, like the way she uh, portrayed all the emotions and the, the character relationships and all, all the lifetimes of this particular character. I don't know. I just wanted to have it all in there, but I didn't know how to make it, you know, make it in there without making it too crowded. So, yeah. That's great. So, uh, you did it. You met each other via Zoom. Sort of met each other. You saw each other from a distance <laughs> via Zoom. But what's it like now actually meeting each other for the first time? It's really nice to finally like meet in person because I didn't know that she was going to be able to come. I thought she was in Turkey, and then Joni told me like the night that I got here that she was going to be here, and I freaked out completely. I was like, yes, I'm going to get to meet her. So it's, it's really nice to be able to finally meet in person and like chat a little bit because the Zoom thing was really, really good. But also it's kind of like just different to be able to see each other and talk to each other and like gesticulate at the picture and freak out. <laughs> That's great. And for yourself, meeting your author? Oh my God, Zoom does not do us justice. Like I am so excited to be here and actually seeing her like in person. Oh yeah, like Zoom, it was not as good in Zoom. <laughs> is this your first professionally published piece or have you, had, have you had other art published in books? Yeah, the first professionally published piece. That's great. We well, did an awesome job. So that's, that's great. I'm glad you guys were uh, finally able to meet up after two years. That's great. So here we have um, Stolen Sky by Storm Hubbard. So uh, you found your, uh, your artist. So what was it like finding your art piece? Uh, it was really cool. Uh, I remember when so I remember when, because uh, we did the digital reveal last year, and as how they were revealed is they flipped through the photos, and as they're revealing them, I was like, that one could be mine, this one might be mine, but as soon as this one came up, I was like, no, 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 that one, that one's definitely mine. So I mean, he did he did a great job capturing the story and the characters, and uh, I'm I couldn't be happier with it. It's it's fantastic. That's great. And in Lee, tell me a little about what it was like uh, illustrating this story. What what. What evoked that image? 
Right. So when I was reading、um, his story, I loved all the imagery he gave to the characters, how they act, and especially the environments of the characters,、um, how that was involved with the main character's background and where、um, she came from. And so I was inspired by all the the descriptions he gave, and I just wanted to also give my own spin to the characters as well, because he did leave a lot of room for imagination, and I love that about it. And so I took all the elements that was important in the story、um, and kind of combined all of that into my own take of what the cover of that story would look like. And I had a great time because it was right up my alley with all these awesome de-、um, designs for the characters. And especially, I love colors and all of his descriptions of the sunset, the mountain. All the characters were spot on. So I was. Very happy to use like、um, the colors that I love and make it an awesome illustration for the story. Yeah, it was just amazing. The your color use is just amazing. You're so unique with what you do on your、uh, on your own color palette. It's so different than other people. Is that something that's because of your heritage that you got those kind of colors? Because we had like we had Mason Matak from Iran, who's got a whole different color palette he uses.、Uh, Max has a different one that she uses from Turkey. Did that influence you at all, your your heritage?、Um, I I think so because when I was little, there was、uh, a lot of celebrations in my country for like holidays, for New Year's, and that kind of thing. And there was a lot of vi- vibrant colors for all of that. And I think I carry that through some of my work. I love using like oranges and yellows,、um, and use like some blues to contrast those colors.、Um, so I think that's a part of it. But also for myself as an artist, I Like to use colors that、um, pop and kind of、um, give the viewer some excitement through、um, color usage and kind of convey like a sense of wonder and emotion with it. So I think that's、uh, probably a combination of both. I think that's an understatement. That's a capital P O P. Thank you very much. Okay, here we are now with Christopher Bothorp. So、um, tell me about the the art when you when you found it because your artist isn't here, but. It's a, an amazing piece of art. So, tell me what you thought when you saw it. Oh, honestly, just blown away. It's it's crazy to see how much of the story the artist was able to capture.、Um, brought a lot of life to it.、Uh, the you know the the visualizations of the characters are phenomenal. The the alien that's honestly the coolest part to me. Like did such a, a great job with the the mandible restraint and the the overdeveloped、uh, sensors there. So. Honestly, just so stinking cool. That's great. I'm glad you at least liked it a little、yes. bit. A little bit. Little, <laughs> little bit. That's great. Okay, so here we've got an amazing piece of art. So we just had a, a new relationship, that ju- a new budding relationship that just formed with an artist and a writer. So、uh, first of all, tell me about、um, your story, and then we'll talk about how you what what you liked about finding the art. My name is Brittany Rainston. My story is called Half Breed. It's about a teenage、uh, girl who lives.、Um, her parents are one is a dryad, one is a human. There's conflict. She's stuck between worlds. And anyway,、um, he has. I came and saw that. <laughs> <laughs> He just blew my mind. I guess I'm a little bit speechless right now, looking at it. It's a gorgeous piece of art.、Uh, this is Daniel, and、uh, I just think he rendered more than I could have imagined here.
totally blew my mind. That's great. So Daniel, so tell me about your take on her story. Well, um, this is Daniel Bitten. Hello. I, uh, I immediately connected with the, the, the story. I mean, I felt kind of lucky reading it through. I'm like, oh, this is actually something I can, uh, I can have a good solid grasp on because uh, there's a lot of elements of mythology, which I'm a huge fan of, uh, nature and, and a lot of trees. And uh, you're going to say because you were a dryad. No, yeah, secretly. I have the, the bark marks on my, on my, under my sleeve. That would be, that'd be funny. No, but um, yeah, and I, I, reading it through a couple times, I, I kind of knew uh, which scene was like I, I wanted to do because it was the most impactful scene. It was also very challenging because it wasn't um, kind of very descriptive or I had to do, uh, kind of get creative with how to explore this spirit world. And uh, I had a lot of fun doing it. There's a lot of great imagery in the story that I could work off of and um, yeah. Yeah, what you did is, is it totally validates why an illustration is so important because that tells her story so somebody can look at that and know what the story is about you know you just you've got this animation of what is that who is that guy there you know her the birds it just it, you know i mean this is the this is why illustration is so important to literature right yeah uh, well i appreciate that um it definitely yeah i mean that's something you always hear as an illustrator not to you know, give away the, the crux of the story and also leave it a little mysterious, make the reader or the viewer uh, do some work on their own, you know, make them have to actually read the, the book, so. Well, that definitely inspires one to want to read the story, so that's great. Well done. Great. So, um, I got to say, yours is one of my favorite stories. <laughs> yeah. So, here we got FDA Bergman with a prize in every box. So, first of all, how did you come up with this idea? I think just thinking about magical devices and um, thinking of, of Cracker Jack boxes and what came out of them and then cereal in general. I remember how as kids we'd all wait for the next cool thing in a cereal box and, and um, what it would be like. And of course kids trying, trying to eat the cereal as fast as possible so they can have another box. And then I thought, well, what if the prizes were something really strange? And it kind of, it just kind of grew from there. Yeah, it was amazing. I used to be one of the ones that would get a big bowl, pull the cereal out, and get the thing and pour it back into the box. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. Oh, yes. So tell me about what it was like um, illustrating this, because you did an amazing job, and it just, it so communicates also the, um, the spirit of play that the story was written in. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Thank you. I was, uh, I was telling. And this is Ben Hill, the illustrator. I was telling FJ uh, that I have two older brothers, so I saw myself as the the youngest there. You know, like in need of the help of the these older brothers. I knew they'd be there for me, so I uh, yeah, I definitely felt like there was that solidarity. You know, the the three of them together, going against uh, whatever came up against them. So yeah, the. For me, that, that was what the piece was definitely about, was their bond of the, the three of them uh, up against this <laughs> supernatural <laughs> thing happening. Well, well, supernatural, but also very real, very real uh, thing happening, and then a supernatural way to fix it that came along, right? So 
that was a really cool uh, twist. Uh, and I, as I was saying before to, uh, to FJ, is I, I have aphantasia, so I don't have a mind's eye. And uh, she was like, oh, yeah, I never really had a clear picture of what the rocket ships looked like. And I, at the same time, I, I thought that was so cool because because they weren't described you know, perfectly in the book, there was a lot of like things to mess with. So I was definitely trying that at first. But yeah, I went with like this alien world. I had a lot of uh, a lot of sketches that were involved them in in some more other like other world other than reality, you know, because that's basically where they were trying to be as as kids. That's great. Yeah, it's it's a great piece. It's an awesome story. Like I said, so uh, I'm glad you guys were able to uh, connect up finally after a couple of years. That's great. So here I'm here with three of the writers and artists whose um, opposite is not here for primarily COVID reasons. So let's start off here with, with Zach B. So uh, your name and then what your story was and describe um, what it was like seeing your art. Sure. Uh, so my name is Zach B. My story was as able to air. Seeing the art was really cool because I had an image in my mind of what the art was going to look like. Um, but obviously stories are more than uh, just the image. There's the feel and the tone and themes and all that kind of stuff. And when I saw the art, even though it looked nothing stylistically like I might have been able to ima imagine, um, it still captured all the same themes and all the same feelings, right? The story is a lot about loneliness and depression. It takes place at night, um, all, most of it. And the art itself feels really lonely and depressed. I mean that in a good way for the artist. <laughs> it feels very lonely and depressed. It captures that really well. Yeah. It's got that midnight kind of coloration to it. And it just looks awesome. I mean, it looks like um, my, the other author over here, Trent, he was just saying it looks like it could be the cover of a novel, and I can't disagree. Yeah. Yeah. He did a great job on that art. So that's great. So, Phoebe, so your name and uh, about your art. Uh, my name is Phoebe Rothfeld, and I did the illustration for um, Automated Everyman Migrant Theater, uh, which was kind of like a Peter meshed with uh, Transformer-like robots, and I think when I first read it, I was just really excited because I'd never seen that kind of mesh of ideas before, and I'm a huge theater nerd, and so I was excited about that, and I loved humanizing the characters as well, but still having them feel like robots, like a kind of different world and everything, um, and yeah, I had a lot of fun. It was... That's great. And Trent? Yes, I'm Trent Walters, and I always have to look at my title, Soul Paper. Uh, yeah, oh my gosh, I, that, I don't know the name of the artist yet, but uh, I was moved to tears. It was so well done, and, and, it, and it, she had her own style to it that was, made me see it in a different way through her eyes, and I was just, I was just so impressed. I don't know, I'm eager to meet the artist when she arrives, or he. So, yeah, you'll see it in, in the book table of contents pretty soon tomorrow at the book reveal. I'm excited to see. Yeah, that's great. Well, thank you, and that's um, that's that's it was a great story. Absolutely, obviously, you're that's how you won. People who don't write great stories don't win. So, what give me your name and what was the name of the uh, story that you illustrated? Um, I'm Katie Goldberg, and I illustrated Catching My Death, and it was a really interesting story because um, the two girls. Um, they went into like, this really mysterious forest and they found like these really interesting creatures that were like representing death and it was really cool how um, 
the death was like super ingrained in everyone's society of the story. And it was like super cool to see how everybody um, was like kind of controlled by how they were going to die. And so I tried to um, show how, um, like, how like um, menacing the deaths would be and like how um, the, the girls were going to be affected by that way of life. You know, it, was, it was a fascinating story, Catching My Death. It's a catchy title, but then getting what the story was like, whoa, this little creature thing, that's your death. So that was great how you did that, and that's, you did an amazing job with that, with that story, and you got a very promising career ahead of you as an artist, that's for sure. Oh, thank you so much. Okay, here I'm here with Barbara Lund, who's the author of Sixers, which was an amazing story. So, um, unfortunately, your illustrator isn't here, but you are, so what do you think of the piece of art that you got? I love it. I knew it as soon as I saw it that it was mine, and I just love the mood that he captured and the scene that he picked is fabulous. Yeah, now, I got to ask you, when I've, if I don't do it now, I'll do it later, um, or probably do it again later anyway. So, the story, how personal is that in terms of, because it seems like it's a serious, tough chick there, and, um, you know, middle-aged, but just like, doesn't take gruff from anybody and seeing you you're you're very attractive but you're also very much like you're going to get your way with what you want so how much is this about you Ooh, that's a trick question that i'm not sure i want to admit to <laughs> <laughs> uh it's definitely got a lot of me in it i suspected that so what was the inspiration for this story yeah it's been a while i don't even remember necessarily but most of my stories are from dreams so it was probably from a dream I get it but anyway it was, yeah, it was an amazing piece of art that, that they did and as I said it's I love the story you should read it it's, it's <laughs> everyone should read it absolutely agreed well thank you very much Barbara so I'm here now with uh, John Campbell and his artist is not here but um, I wanted to talk to him and just ask him what was his reaction to seeing uh, his illustration yeah, it's beautiful. Uh, my story is called the, the, the Tiger and the Waif, and he has captured uh, my little android cat perfectly, and the, uh, the Waif is a young lady who has been uh, uh, lost in the, earth, the great earthquake of Los Angeles. In the, it finally happened. It'll finally happen, right. So... So she's, I mean, she's, she's beautiful. It's, it's, I was told it was from, a, uh, from a, an oil painting, which is, has wonderful detail to it, wonderful color, and it'll, it'll go perfectly with the story. It absolutely does. Yeah, he was, he was so proud of it. He was so bummed he couldn't be here. He loved the story, but he's in Portugal and wasn't able to get... Uh, over here. Yeah, that's a real shame, and, and hopefully uh, uh, we can get him here uh, maybe next year if, if that's if that's possible, because it's uh, you know he really should be recognized for this wonderful work. Yeah, it's it's amazing work. That's great. I'm glad that uh, I might agree. It's, it's one of my favorite pieces of art. I appreciate that. Yeah, it really uh, it's really amazing. You know, my my sister is an artist, and so I really appreciate this type of thing and. And it's just uh, so wonderful to see it depict a story that I wrote. That's great. Well, thank you very much, John. Well, thank you, sir.
Okay, and here I'm now with Ange Dockery. So uh, just, she doesn't have the illustrator here with her, but just describe briefly what your, the name of your story is and um, what it's about and your reaction to the uh, illustration. All right, so my story is uh, called The Argentum, and it's about this train on a colonized planet. And I seriously got goosebumps when I saw this illustration. Like, I felt like the artist captured it, the atmosphere of it, so perfectly. And I, I cried a little bit. So I'm sad that he's not here. I think his name is Rup Rupa or something? Yeah. yeah, Rupa. Rupam, uh, yes, he's, he's from India. Yes, and yeah, I, I wish I, I can't wait to like contact him because I really want to collaborate with him in the future on something. I want him to do a concept art for like all my work now. That's great. Well, I'm glad you like it a lot and absolutely we're gonna work out, make sure you can connect up with Rupam because he really wanted to be here. Thank you. Well, my name is uh, Arthur Bowling. I illustrated the story of the trade by Chris Winspear. And uh, my favorite aspect of the, the story after reading through it was pretty much the, the alien character. I, Probably gonna mess this up. Please forgive me, Chris. I think his name is Daiko. Once he uh, meets the um, the astronauts aboard the International Space Station, he just steals the show from there. So after that, I knew I wanted to base my illustration off of him and his initial meeting with the crew members of the ISS. Yeah, it's just amazing. It's just, I mean, it really shows him. He's, it's like he's a showman. You know, he's, you know, you definitely have like, you got in this hand I got here, over here I got this, and just. Just give me 10,000 people of humanity, I'll give you this, but with a million, I'll give you this plus this. Yep, absolutely, that was uh, the vibe I got, that sort of sleazy salesman type yeah. vibe, and I was like, I gotta capture there that. There he is, you yeah. got it. Thank Great. you. So well done, thank yeah, you very thank much. Thank you very much. Yes. Oh, I'm Andy Dibble. I wrote a word that means everything for volume 36. I mean, it was a totally unique story. It was like, um, obviously, one would suspect that you are a religion major or, <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I majored in religious studies along with some other stuff from my undergrad, and I, I did a, a master's in religion too. Yeah, it definitely comes clear. You can always tell when somebody is really thoroughly studied and educated in a certain area, you can tell doctors with the stories they write, because even if they try to make it really good, when they describe something in the book that is medical, all of a sudden, how do they know that? So this one here, obviously, because your intuition and your you're able to take something to a new level with, uh, on, on the religion plane here, and it just it really communicated well. Obviously, you won. <laughs> yeah. uh, I'm Heather A. Lawrence, and uh, I illustrated a word that means everything. So what was it like uh, when you read the story? What was the thing that inspired you about those Cthulhu figures? I was inspired by the strange creatures and the like misty landscapes. Um, so... I did a composition where the uh, main characters are trying to communicate with sign language just as they see one of the strange creatures over the top of a hill. So it's sort of like a bridge between them on the light in the picture. Yeah, plus amazing the whole concept of like one word that means everything. How'd you, how'd you come up with that concept? Uh, so I actually, um, I studied Sanskrit when I was an undergrad and, and, and doing my, my master's. And in Sanskrit, it's pretty common for words to have like 20 or 30 meanings, and they don't really all overlap very much. 
And so I just had the thought that, you know, like, like in the Bible, that, that there was a word that was similar. It had like 20 or 30 meanings. And I thought it just keeps stretching it and stretching it, and then it could stretch all the way. <laughs> so, yeah. That was amazing. Just as a total fantastical con- concept that you came up with there. So that's, that's very well done on that. Thanks. Yeah, yeah. It's, I found that I really like, like language as, as a speculative concept, as something that, that can be weird and strange, and, and it, it's, it's very human. Yeah. Definitely is that. So well done, and um, I'm glad you guys uh, connected up here, because it's, it's, this, this is the fun part of, one of the most fun parts of the whole workshop week is when the illustrators and the, and the writers connect up. So that's great. Okay, so here we have a Zoom meeting here where the artist and the, and the writer are meeting for the first time. So we got Kate Gilcher on. That's right, with her new baby, with her, with her illustrator. About, what, nine days old. Hopefully you can hear what she's saying there. <laughs> yeah. Oh my God. Um, well, to be honest, when I first read it, it seemed like a real challenge to illustrate because. Also, give me your name too, please. Oh, right. Um, my name is Isabel Gibney. Um, I'm an illustrator. And when I first read the story, I kind of had no idea how to approach it because I think there's, there's so many, there's such a mental component to it. It centers heavily in this man's internal struggle and there's no visible sign of this internal struggle. And so I was really trying to think about how best to represent um, this, this dynamic. There's this kind of spirit that is speaking to him. And no one is aware of this internal struggle. And so I uh, ended up gravitating towards the idea of a reflection because uh, I think that... It was brilliant what you did. It seemed like a nice way to tie in the scythe and then kind of a scene from the story where he picks down, drops the scythe down um, and have a chance to look at the amulet as well and then see his face and see kind of the consternation but then also see the intentness of the bear spirit. Um, exactly. So there were just so many moving parts which were just so cool to think about and like it was such fertile ground for an illustration so I was really grateful um, for that. I really appreciated that. You have done just an incredible job bringing my story to life with all these different elements. It's that, that piece is absolutely beautiful and um, it's going to be, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> eyes, uh, eyes watering here because that is you, you obviously understood what I was doing in the story I'm really, really honored to hear that thank you so much well thank you for, for that that is beautiful that's great well thank you very much and uh, so I got all that on the reco- I got recorded all here <laughs> okay here we have educational taste we have the uh, Illustrators, so please give me your name and what about this story that made it easy for you to come up with the piece that you did? Hi, my name is Ayang Javier. Um, with educational tapes, I feel like the most interesting thing, or what, what helped me illustrate it was the way it was narrated, having it uh, from, having it separated real, very unique. I found, I found the narration to be very unique. And having that sort of idea of having these tapes um, sort of narrated and having, having, these, having the story be told in, in past tense, it was uh, the most interesting part. And I feel like that, that sort of, the way it was um, 
presented or the, the way it was um, given to the reader was it, it felt like I was I was the character itself and yeah 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 I, I really um, it really immersed me into the story and really helped me sort of find the way how to illustrate it I think that's great well thank you very much Yang. <laughs> thank you so much I'm butting in here because uh, I'm recording this as a podcast here this is John Goodwin here hey Chris so, uh, whatever you just said, say it again, please. <laughs> well, what I said is that the art is the image of my head. And then I also told her she's going to learn a lot this week, and I congratulated her on her win. That's great. Okay, good. And then I'm going to get her take on your story. Um, so, I think for me, I was... Really? Oh, yes. Um, my name is Isabel Gibney, and I'm an illustrator. And this story was um, just, from the moment I read it, I was really excited to try my hand at illustrating it. I do more fantasy than sci-fi, and so I, I haven't really had the chance to try my hand at kind of these more modern pieces. Um, and what I really loved about it, it was kind of all these little details to the characters themselves. Like the characters are very much touched by their environment. So you see little scars on them from the sand or there's, you know, the, the details where how um, the male character has this white star across his back. And so there, there are these very kind of human details that come from wear and tear as they kind of experience life. And so that was such rich fodder just to kind of pull those things out for an illustration and also just to kind of explore the human connection that kind of transcends time in some ways. So I really, really enjoyed working with this story. Plus you're able to illustrate a Chris Rush story too, which makes even all the better. Yes, yes, that's very true. <laughs> Great, well thank you very much, Chris. I'd love, the story is obviously wonderful. I read it when we first talked, what, two years ago or so, when you, at least so. But anyway, it's very nice seeing you again, and um, hopefully next year we'll be able to see you uh, bodily, not just uh, via Zoom. <laughs> I'm, work I'm working on her. Good, good. <laughs> okay, thank you, Chris. Thanks, John. Thanks, Dean. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Hi, I'm Zach B., and my story was called As Able to Air. Great, and... Um, it's an amazing story, just that concept. So first of all, how did you even come up with the idea of this in the first place? Yeah, I was thinking a lot about uh, drone pilots and just thinking there could be, there could be something interesting with uh, doing a story about the drone pilot life, which is very lonely and underground and you're controlling something from far away, military, and um, <clears throat> the action of the military is very far away. And I started writing it, and then I went to my master's program in couple and family therapy and while I was there, I was learning a lot about PTSD and depression, and that changed the tone of the story completely. So it went from being kind of, went from kind of looking like it was about drone pilots to suddenly being about PTSD and how you might cope with that and what that might look like in a future where warfare is very distant. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Great. And so um, your name and then what inspired you to do it the way you did it? Uh, my name is Brock Aguirre. Um, what inspired me the most about this was the emotional state of Erto, the main character, as he progresses through. It's, like Zach said, very much about isolation and loneliness and what it's like to basically be like a drone pilot. And um, he, 
I tried to explore those themes, especially in his facial expression, as well as the color scheme. I went for a nighttime color scheme because the night is the most lonely, typically. And so I've tried to make everything very cool, um, cool in the colors, not yeah, like, yeah. I mean, obviously I want it to be cool, but that's <laughs> up to you. Um, <laughs> and uh, I just tried to make it uh, very lonely and intense, but also um, bright and exciting and hopefully interesting. Great. So what was your reaction when you saw it? Um, first of all, I think it looks amazing. Second of all, it was not at all what I imagined in my mind's eye, right? You know, I've had whatever image I had. And what I love most about it is that even though it looks nothing like what I visually imagined, I think I said to you earlier, there's a lot of different, there's a lot of other parts of a story. There's, there's themes, there's emotions, there's all kinds of other stuff. And everything that Brock did in the image captures all of that perfectly, right? Like, like, just like you said, the, the color scheme, the facial expression, everything about it totally captures all of those elements, so. That's great. Yeah, it's, I'm mean, really, to me, I look at it, it's, you definitely see the loneliness and the guy's like dealing with uh, whatever internal dealings he's got happening there. Struggling, Struggling yes. Yeah. He definitely got the struggles that your guy had. Anyway, that's great. Thank you both very much. Yeah. I'm here with Jody Lenai, who actually wrote the two stories to the uh, two uh, pieces of uh, cover art that were done by Echo. So I'm talking to Jody. So um, first of all, welcome to the uh, to the art reveal, and then tell me a bit about your take on these uh, art pieces. I think that you have such incredible young people having produced again surprising styles of art, uh, and I know that watching every one of the art, uh, writers come in and spot their piece of art. It takes only a split second before they recognize the piece that goes to their story. It is a treat. As someone who has had pieces of art written for uh, or drawn for my stories, you hope they get it right, mm -hmm. but it's such a thrill to see what they believe, what they understand about your story when they create it and to watch the, the thrills on the faces of the writers as they spot their stories is really a marvelous thing. I think this is one of my favorite parts of the whole event. Yes, yeah, one of those things we just, we stumbled upon it some 20 or so years ago and it's just become, like you said, it's the favorite part for a lot of people. It's, it's terrific. And it gives the artists really their first market, which is the writer of the story. And they're all anticipating I think with a little bit of dread, a little bit of excitement, will they like it? Right. Will they understand what it was I was trying to do? Are, are they really producing a piece that will draw the reader to that story? And in so many cases, they have. <laughs> yeah, it's, it's, it's great. And it's, I mean, Echo's really good as an art director. So she's, she, can she, pull out, she can pull a lot out from uh, the, the skills and the, and the fortes that the different artists have. But it's just amazing it's, um, to see, I've, never, I've yet to see a writer go like, oh, that's my story? No, none of them have. She is, as, as an art director, she's wonderful because if the pieces aren't enough, because she, she will understand that, she will know, she'll tweak, show them how to tweak it. And that's, that's a teaching gift as well. Exactly. Good, well, thank you very much, Jody. Okay, so now we are with Echo Chernick, and she's the coordinating judge for the Illustrated Feature Contest, and she's the one that art-directed all these pieces, these amazing pieces of art that um, we talked about tonight. So, uh, 
Echo. Yes, hello. So what was it like when you were um, art directing and seeing the fruition tonight of this, of this big art reveal? I love the, the big art reveal because everybody gets to see the art for the first time. Um, and all the, artists, or the artists, all the artists get to see everybody else's work and all the writers get to see the artist's work. And nobody's seen the entire collection except for myself and Maliva. Um, and it's just, it's super exciting because people are just, they, they see it and they just get excited and they're just like, oh my God, this work is amazing. So um, it's, it's an awesome moment. It is. Plus, also special about it was the fact that uh, we had two years this year, so we had winners from volume 36 and 37, plus the added um, inconvenience of, of COVID, so the people from outside of, of the United States weren't able to attend, so we had some people that weren't able to be here, but overall, I think it was just amazing. There, there was so much art in the room. When everyone walked in, there's just rows of just amazing, awesome, award-winning art, and um, I'm just so proud of all of them. Yeah, so now, um, one thing that's happened since you were took over as the art director was it, it went a bit of a change and it actually what I think is a major upgrade in the art in the book itself because you're able to pull more of the talent that they have you know as they're because they're they're growing artists you know so what is it about what you do <laughs> that works so good one of the um one of the things that the winners actually win is being able to come down here to uh, to the workshop and learn from all of the um, artists and the writers and the uh, the the judges that um, have been illustrating for years and years. And that doesn't start when they get down here. That actually starts when I start art directing them. That that the training of learning how to work with an art director and how to. Um, do the go-between, the back and forth, and the sketches, and that's a process that that takes practice, and that, you know, you can you can mess up, and it's okay if they mess it up with me, because I'll tell them, all right, when you work with an art director, you need to, you know, this is how you communicate, and you should, you know, you need to get these things on time, and I'd rather have them mess up with me than in the real world. So this is actually part of their training that they get with the workshop, is how to work with an art director. Um, and myself, having worked with many art directors and many creative directors, I work really hard to make sure that I guide them to, to each have the best piece that they can in order to win. My goal is that each of them is going to win the grand prize. I mean, each one is going to win the grand prize. So my goal is to guide them to the best pieces they can get uh, without over-art directing them where it like crushes their own vision because it is possible for an art director to art direct it in a, in a bad direction, which the artist is just left feeling kind of disappointed in it. And I, and I want to make sure they have a good experience, but they experience working with an art director at the same time. So, Which is great. Now, as the art director and putting together this book one thing that's changed also is the is the variety of art that you find now in in the book it used to be sometimes a certain i guess it more lent itself towards black and white in the early years but now that's gone we've gotten everything color we've got the the winners from from vietnam we've got from iran we've got from turkey from uk there's, there's all types of people with but it's not, this is a type of art, it's all types of art too. So how does that work that we're able to experience that? Well, as the coordinating judge, I see all of the art when it comes in and I choose which 12 people move each quarter, move on to get presented to the judges. And then they pick the final three that get it, go on to become winners. Um, so when I'm choosing them, I specifically am looking for um, illustrators that know how to illustrate, how to communicate a story, have 
talent and skill, have a you know a sophisticated style. However, I'm being very careful not to choose styles particularly that I like or make all the styles the same. I want to offer the judges a variety of styles. Um, even if it's not a style that I particularly like, if the illustrator is accomplished and, and well-defined, I want to pass it on to the judges and let them decide whether or not it moves forward. Um, so I think part of that comes from the fact that I work myself work in so many different styles and that I started off my career working in black and white. And black and white is not a um, medium that gets a lot of uh, attention. It's rather underrated. And it doesn't win awards usually because people always see color and go towards that. So I, I, I've let a lot of black and white artwork through and ultimately I, I pick my 12 and they go on to the, the judges. And if they, th from there, um, they uh, choose which ones move on and uh, they may or may not agree with me. I don't talk to them, um, but they may or may not agree with my decisions. I mean, I've seen ones go through that I was like, whoa, I didn't think that would go through. And I've seen others go through that I'm like, yeah, I knew that one was gonna go through. So, um, you know, so I, but I try to give them a big variety. Makes the book interesting too. Absolutely. Now you've kind of like become now the uh, the art mom, <laughs> <laughs> the den mother. So um, you actually wear that hat quite well. Yeah. During during the large the formal event uh, two years ago before COVID, I think I spent the entire night sewing buttons back on tuxedos. I mean, I literally had to get a sewing kit. I think I sewed five or six buttons. They kept popping off of the winners, so I became the art den mom who just sewed all the buttons on the tuxedos. So. <laughs> yes, I was more referring to the. <laughs> <laughs> yes, but you know they become it, my little my kids. <laughs> exactly. Do you still maintain relationships or 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 uh, have communication with winners after they've? moved on? Absolutely. Uh, we always encourage them to contact us and there's been several including Alex Gustafson and uh, B, um, Brittany uh, Jackson, who's contacted me saying, hey, I got contacted with this big job and I don't know what to bid. Please help. And we help guide them in, in the process of bidding and they both landed big successful jobs. Um, and that's part of, you know, what we do in our responsibilities. I tell them please contact me. Let me know if you need help, if you get a job. And usually they call me in a panic. I got contacted and I don't know what to bid. So uh, we walk them through it and um, help them get what they are supposed to be bidding for that particular job. So That's great. Well, it's just been awesome having you as our, as our, our lead instructor, the coordinating judge. So I just want to thank you very much. It was an awesome event tonight. And uh, you did wonderful with that on the art direction. Uh, thank you very much. And I also want to tell you a little more about what I just said. Alex Gustafson just got a big job from Mountain Dew. And so that's when we helped him land. So uh, we had a series of really great illustrations for Mountain Dew that will be coming out. And uh, so that's going to be exciting. I'm so happy for that because Alex is just, he's a hustler. and He's been working, you know, to, he's been wanting to make this for so long. It's just his whole life's dream. So he's that's, been working so hard to become, uh, to really make it, and he feels excited and overwhelmed, but excited. And I've seen the pieces, and they're just amazing. So, um, yeah, so. That's great. Well, we'll done that, too. Thanks, Echo. Thank you. Well, there you have it. We've just spoken to most of the illustrators and writers who are here at the Big Reveal and just finished off there with Echo as the coordinating judge for this amazing event. The reason why it's so amazing is because We've just experienced or witnessed the start of some lifelong relationships that will be built between the writers and the illustrators. Many of the illustrators will go on to illustrate um, future book covers or children's book stories or graphic novels for the writers that they've met at this event. And it's just 
turns out to be one of the best events of the whole week-long um, series of events because they've gone for the whole year not knowing who actually illustrated their story. And in this case, it's been two years because we had to skip 2020. So I hope you enjoyed listening to this as much as I enjoyed experiencing it. And you can actually see some of the photos at writersthefuture.com forward slash blog, which has photos of the entire uh, event that you can go in and see. Again, that's writersthefuture.com forward slash blog. So thank you very much for listening. Subscribe to the Writers of the Future podcast wherever you get your podcasts. The Writers of the Future podcast is available on SoundCloud, iTunes, Pocket Cast, Stitcher, Player FM, iHeart, and Spotify. We've also been globally syndicated on the United Public Radio Network. Writers and Illustrators of the Future are contests created by Elwin Hubbard to provide a means for the aspiring writer and artist to be seen and acknowledged. It is free to enter and open to new and amateur short story writers and artists of science fiction or fantasy. 